So let's let's just dig right in, right in. I'll tell you, last week, I always I always do like a fill-in-the-blank type notes. That's just kind of how I do it. Not because the Bible says, but that's just, I don't know, that's how I do it. Um, and you guys fill in the blanks. Some of you guys draw pictures. That's cool. That's what I would do. Some of you guys make paper airplanes. I really, I'm not too concerned with what you do with it. It's just to try to help you. But sometimes I miss a blank, right? And because that's just, you know, if you, in five minutes from now, you'll listen to me if you've never listened to me, and it'll make total sense, right? But sometimes I miss blanks, and, uh, and last week I missed a blank, and um, it was as if the Dodgers had lost for, for some people. I got a lot of e- more emails than I get normally, and, uh, and so the fill-in-the-blank from last week was battle. It was battle, okay? So there you go. Um, and, and, and so I don't mess up. We'll start with the first fill-in-the-blank for those of you guys who love that. Um, you're going you're gonna to just love this, right? Okay, so the first fill-in-the-blank is this. Jesus is Lord regardless. Jesus is Lord regardless. Regardless of what anyone does to him or says about him. Jesus is Lord regardless. It's just a great theme. It's a great application. We could stop right there and think about so many things in our lives, right? Think about all of your face, the Facebook posts that we read, right? And we could just, we could just put that in there, right? Jesus is Lord regardless, right? Or Jesus is still on the throne. You might say it like that, right? So Jesus is Lord regardless, but it's important to see because when we look at we look at what's going to happen to Jesus. It looks like, you know, he gets beat up. He's mocked. He gets treated poorly. He looks like he's losing. Like, if we're on the playground right now, and, and there's, like, there's like a little scuffle going on, Jesus is the one that seems to be losing, and yet he's not losing, is he? Jesus is Lord regardless. So let's just walk through this a little bit. In John chapter 19, verses 1 through 5, it says this says, then Pilate, now if you guys haven't been following along, here's, here's some players, okay? So you got Jesus, Jesus plays Jesus in this play, okay? Jesus is Jesus, right? And then you also have the, 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 the Jewish authorities. The Jewish authorities, Caiaphas is one of the big names, he's kind of the leader, but there's a whole Jewish leadership that wants to crucify Jesus. They're pushing this initiative to accuse Jesus of something, because, but, but, they, but they can't kill him. They can't do what they need. They also need somebody. They need the Roman authorities. They need the Roman governor specifically. His name is Pontius Pilate. So they've brought Jesus. The Jewish leaders have brought Jesus to Pontius Pilate. He's the governor. He has the authority to, to, to sentence him to death, really. And that's what they want. So that's, those are some of the players so you can understand kind of the context here. Then Pilate, the Roman governor that they brought Jesus to, took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers, these are the Roman soldiers that work for this Roman governor, right? They, 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 carry, out, they carry out his, his sentence. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, now he goes out and he's talking to these Jewish leaders who won't come inside because they don't want to defile themselves by walking in there, right? We learned that last week. So they, they came, uh, Pilate went out again and said to them, these Jewish leaders that are outside now, he said, see, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. 
So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, behold, the man. In other words, what he's saying is, see, Pilate doesn't want to crucify Jesus, but they want him to. And so what he does is he takes them back and he tries to insinuate maybe, maybe a little bit of sympathy from them. He, be, he has them beat up real bad. And, and, the, and he mocks them. He brings them out publicly. And he says, behold, the man. As if, really, this is the guy that's so dangerous that I need to kill him? This? He's, 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 he, that, that's his kind of idea here, right? So it starts off, it says, Jesus was flogged. Now, these Romans were very good at punishment. If you, if you, if you know uh, first century history, the Romans were really good at punishment. It's how they, they kind of ruled. They wanted to, to, to kind of like enforce the peace, right? And so flogging was literally an official way of, of punishing people. And in their time, there was three levels, three official levels that you could be sentenced to when it comes to flogging. The first one was called fustagio, fustagatio, right? Fustagatio, I'm probably saying that wrong. The second one was flagellatio, and then verberatio was the third one. I know none of you guys really, that's not your language, so think about it like this, Starbucks. It's tall, it's grande, and it's vente, Okay? It's small, it's medium, and it's large. The first one, the first level, was designed for people who they wanted to kind of teach a lesson. They want to kind of behavior modification. It involved a stick and, you, and, and, a, and a few Roman soldiers, and they would literally beat you up real bad. When, it, when it's small, don't, don't think insignificant, you would get beat up real bad. You're going to feel this for a long time. You're gonna, it's going to take you weeks to recover from this. There's going to be stitches, maybe some broken bones. This is a severe beating, but it's a level one beating, right? That's the tall. The second one is going to be a little bit more, right? They're going to beat you. You'll probably never be the same. You'll probably never be the same. They're going to they're do, you're going to get this beating, and you're going to, the rest of your life, you're going to remember it, was the idea. The third one was only given to people in the most extreme, and it was usually given for, as part of the crucifixion process. They would literally beat you so bad that it would speed up. Because if you were to hang on the cross, you die from suffocation. The idea is you can't breathe, and you're, you're, you would lift up on, your, on your, the, the nails that are through your legs. You would lift up every time you need a breath. The, the kind of the record was you could do that for about four days. It could take four days. But they didn't want you up there for four days. So they would beat you so bad that it would speed up the process. And then at the end, they would break your legs like we see in there. And it would speed up the process. That way it would only be about six hours or, or nine hours. That was normal. So they, th- there's these three beatings. What's going on, Just John just says, Jesus was flogged. Probably at this point, it was a tall, it was a level one. This was a level one. This was, he was beat up real bad. Eventually, he will get sentenced to crucifixion, and he will also receive the level three. I don't, I'm not going to get into a lot of gruesome details, but just to give you an idea, they would basically strip him naked for level three, tie him around a post. They would whip him with a, with a leather whip. It had bones in there. It, would, it was designed to go into your flesh, stick, so that when you pulled it back, it, it would tear. And they would do it so bad that you literally would be able to see through their rib cage and see their innards. Mo- many people died from that. Many people died before they even got to the crucifixion this is jesus's day we're not even there yet 
What's happened at this point is they beat him up real bad, and they're mocking him. They're humiliating him. They're pub- have you ever been publicly humiliated? They're publicly humiliating him, and they're, and they're beating him. They're, they, this, this, is, this, is, this is humiliation. So he was severely beaten in your notes. He was severely beaten at this point. And he was cruelly mocked. The, they said they put a, a, a crown on his thorn. This is probably from a date palm branch. It's, it, 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 was, it was these long thorns that could be up to 12 inches long. They were probably pointing out, but the inward ones, if you ever like work with roses or stuff, you get kind of pricked. Imagine that like sitting on your head. It's not going to be comfortable, and they probably pounded it in. And then they, they put this robe on him. It's not a real robe. It's like they're basically dressing him. They've stripped him naked, and they're dressing him up in mockery. They're dressing him up in mockery, and then they bring him out in front of the people who hate him. They don't just do this, in, they do this in private, and then they bring him out in front of everybody who's laughing, ha, 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 right? They spit on him, they're hitting him. This is brutal. This is, tor- this is, this is cruel. It's, bu- it's, it's, it's not pretty, right? What's beautiful about this? Let's look back in in Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus. In Isaiah 50, in verse 6, he prophesies like this. 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah gives this picture of what's going to happen. He says, I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I hid not my face from, from disgrace and spitting. He's describing, what does it say here? It says, I gave my back. Jesus Jesus gave his back to these things. They thought they were winning. They thought they were beating him. But he was allowing them to. Philip Yancey's a... He's kind of a contemporary, and, and I say that loosely. Like he's contemporary, a contemporary writer like this. Like if you think Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots are oldies, then he's probably not contemporary to you. But he's in the realm, right? That's this Philip Yancey guy. He's kind of old school now, but he's within our a lifetime. A, a, a really a, a, a very descriptive, and, and he says things in a way that that kind of help us see the beauty in some things and it's hard to see the beauty in the cross and so philip yancey says this he he says love was compressed for all history in that lonely figure on the cross who said that he could call down angels at any moment on a rescue mission but chose not to because of us at calvary god accepted his own unbreakable terms of justice What does that mean he accepted his own unbreakable terms of justice? It means this. Jesus wasn't going to just let sinners off the hook. He wasn't just going to let sinners off the hook. He took their punishment. He didn't just say your sins are forgiven. He went to the cross and purchased. He purchased those words. Your sins are forgiven. They were costly. If Jesus had resisted his accusers and executioners, he could have saved his life. He could have avoided all of this. This is what we have to understand. He, did not, he didn't have to subject himself to this. They, they couldn't force this on him. 
He could have saved himself, but his aim was not to save himself. His aim was to save sinners like me. And so Jesus endured the cross. Well, what's our response to that? That's the beauty. What's our response to that? We could probably come up with lots of things to say at this point, but we don't have to. We can look at Isaiah 50. It tells you. In Isaiah 50, verse 10, remember in verse 6 we said Jesus gave his back. In verse 10, he, he says this is the reason, this is the response. He says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Who's his servant? Jesus. Jesus is serving. Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. The response is to come out of darkness and to give yourself to this Jesus so that he can heal you, so that he can redeem you, so that he can guide you, and so that he can use you for his glory. In the next section, we'll look at, I title it this, Why Did Jesus Die? This has been brought up uh, uh, many times in, 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 in discussion circles. Why did Jesus die? Or, or you might say it like this, who killed Jesus? What caused him to die? What was the reason he died? Because some people die because and it's out of their hands. Some people just die tragically. Some people just die naturally. But, but Jesus, why did Jesus die? In John 19, 6 and 7, says this. says, when the chief priests, that's Jewish leadership, when the chief priests and the officers, that's the Roman officers, saw him, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Right? So Pilate was trying to beat him so bad and mock him so bad and ridicule him so bad and say, isn't this enough? You guys really want to crucify this guy? For what, right? He thought that it would be enough and that it would get him off, that he wouldn't have to sentence him to crucifixion. Did it work? <laughs> no. They're yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, take yourselves Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. The truth is that men killed Jesus because he claimed to be God. There's a, there's a, 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 a Jewish man who was hired by the Roman authorities in the first century. He wasn't a Christian. And they hired him to record the history of the Jews in that time. His name was Josephus. If you, if you read Josephus, he, he wrote a historical book. It kind of reads like an encyclopedia. And if you look up Jesus Christ, who obviously he's going to be notable of any historian, Jewish historian in the first century about Jewish, right? It, it, no matter what you think about Jesus, you can't ignore the fact that he's a real person, right? And Josephus, you open it up, and the first thing he says about Jesus, he says, Jesus was a man who performed miracles and claimed to be God, period. That's what he said about Jesus, a non-Christian that, that lived through it. He was a man who performed miracles. They were undeniable. 
and he claimed to be God. Sometimes people ask, did Jesus really claim to be God? I know the Christians say he did, but did he really? That's why they crucified him. Yes, in a very Jewish way, he said over and over again that he was God and that he was the Messiah. That's undeniable if you read scriptures honestly. Men killed Jesus because he claimed to be God. And that specifically what they're talking about, they say we have a law. They're talking about Leviticus 24, 16. It says this, it says, whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him or throw rocks at him until he's dead. The sojourner, as well as the native, right, from far away or the people from our own town, this is just a law for everybody. When he blasphemes the name, he shall be put to death. The name is, in, in, in Jewish history, they didn't like to use God's name, which have, we, we translate as Yahweh, so oftentimes they would just say the name. The name. It means, it means all of who God is. Does anyone have a, a, a perfect description word that could define all of who God is? No, we have many words that it takes, and we'll never get to the end of it, and so it's just the name. That's the best, the name. Let's just keep it there. The name. All of who God is, even the mysterious parts. When we blaspheme his name, the sentence for the Jewish was, was, was death, and they're saying Jesus blasphemes the name because he's claiming to be God. So he either is God or he is guilty of some sin. It's their law. Letter B is this. If we look at it from another perspective, we can see clearly, right, that, that men killed Jesus, and the reason why they wanted to kill him was because he claimed to be God. But, but on a bigger picture, is that why Jesus died? Is that what we proclaim? Jesus was a man who was killed, be, uh, and it was cruelly, and it wasn't just. Do we, do we, is that our gospel? No, Jesus died for sinners, is our gospel. Jesus died to save sinners. The first Timothy 1.15, Paul says it like this. He says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the foremost. What he's saying is, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. Jesus came because we need Jesus to come. And he died because we needed Jesus to die. And we'll tell people because they need to receive this. That's his, that's his, that's his heart. That's the heart of the gospel. As we move on, we'll walk into a little bit more of this. But Jesus reigns regardless. Jesus is on the throne regardless. Regardless of popular or influential opinion. Isn't that important? In other words, it doesn't matter what you say about Jesus. It doesn't change who Jesus is. You could deny Jesus. It doesn't, it doesn't deflate him. It doesn't defame him. You can try to defame him. It doesn't defame him, right? They tried to kill him. They tried to beat him. They tried to defame him, but he still reigns. He still won victoriously. In John 19, verse 8 through 11, it says, When Pilate heard this statement, right, that he claimed to be the Son of God, what's Pilate's response? Who's Pilate? He's a pagan God, Roman Soldier, does he believe in the God, Yahweh? 
No. He, I don't know, he doesn't tell you what he believes, but he, he's very superstitious, we know that. He'd be very superstitious. He, he had stories about the gods. Somehow the gods, you can appease the gods, and the gods, um, and the gods can intervene, right? It's important to be good to the gods. It's important to have the favor of the gods. That was, that's his mentality. Wait, Jesus is, is the son of God? Who else would be a son of God? Like a Zeus, or you know what I mean? Like, wait, 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 that, somehow that got to him. That got to them when they said that. So it says, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He was already afraid before. He's more afraid. He was afraid of what can happen to him because Tiberius, the emperor, was a cruel emperor. If you ever look at first century history, the Roman emperor Tiberius is gnarly with a capital G. Okay? He was cruel. If he thought you were against him, he was jealous. If he had just a suspicion, it doesn't matter if you're the governor, he would have you executed. You would maybe be crucified. There was fear in him about that. But he was even more afraid when they said this about Jesus. So he entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? I, I know you, they say like Nazareth and Galilee and all that stuff, but where are you really from? Are you from the heavens? You know, is what he's asking. Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you think that's normal? Of, can you imagine a, a, a Roman governor who's, who has criminals come up and plead for their life all the time? What do you think that usually looks like? I didn't do it. You know, there's probably all of these lies and, you know, you just don't know what to. And Jesus is silent. I wonder if he had ever had anyone be silent. Probably not. This wasn't normal. Nothing about this is normal. But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivers me over to you has the greater sin. So we get back to our discussion. Who killed Jesus? Who do we blame? Was it Judas, one of his 12, who betrayed him? Was it the Jewish leaders? Specifically, was it Caiaphas? Was it Pilate? Was it the, other, was it the Roman soldiers who physically did it? Who are we going to blame? Who did it? And he says that, he goes, who, He who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. There's a lot of commentary about that. What is he talking about? He who delivered you, me over to you has the greater sin. Who has the greater sin here? Who is he talking about? It seems like it's in the singular. Is, that, is it Caiaphas? I don't, we don't know what John meant. But we can think a little bit deeper. Here's what Peter says later. In Acts 3, uh, it's the beginning of the church. Acts, the, uh, the book of Acts is basically what happens after Jesus die, uh, rises from the dead. He ascends to heaven. And then how the early church started. A little history of the early church. How it gets started. In, in Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John, they heal a guy. They heal a guy. He can't walk, and they say, get up and walk, and the guy's healed. Like a bona fide miracle healed. And everybody, uh, the, especially the Jewish leaders, they're freaked out by this, and they want to stop it. Why? Because Jesus was a man who performed miracles and claimed to be God. We thought we killed him, and now, months later, his disciples are doing miracles. It didn't get stopped. They're freaking out. And when Peter saw it, that they're freaking out, he addressed the people, men of Israel, 
Why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Remember last week, Barabbas? And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. It's a big moment. Paul's telling them, you killed Jesus. People in the crowd are like, wait, I didn't kill Jesus. I'm not Caiaphas. No, you're responsible. You might look a little bit deeper, and this has been suggested. It's just a deeper thought. Don't take, it, don't take this as more than, 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 than it's intended. But, but, but for each of us to own that, Jesus died because I sinned. If he died for my sins, that means I have some responsibility in that. He died for my sins. I have part of that greater sin. It's not just, in other words, it's not just Pontius Pilate's responsibility. He's dying for the sins of the world. Then everybody who he died for would have a little piece in that. Like Pilate, don't. Don't, don't think too much higher, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to, Pilate. This isn't about you, is what he's saying. This isn't even about you, dude. But we look at, G- at Pilate's response and we can say this, there is no one like Jesus. That had to be going through Pilate's head. There is no one like Jesus. The way he's handling himself, the things he's saying, at the, at the point of your greatest fear, you could be crucified. Based on just what, we, what we're talking about right now, what lies in the balance, Jesus, is your crucifixion. Have you ever seen anyone crucified? You might be thinking. It's not, it's not good. You're about to go get the third level beating. Have you ever seen that? And then hang on a cross. Are you sure you don't have anything to say? I'm trying to help you here. Just tell, give me something. Silence. Whoa. Think about What's going through Pilate's head? This isn't in the text, but I just, as you chew on it, you have to walk through this. Think about Pilate here, this Roman, non, you know, non-God-fearing man. And here, this contrast. The, the people of, of God, the Jews, that claim to be the people of God, I'm watching how hypocritical they are. They've, they've tried Jesus at night. They're not even allowed to do that. The things they're saying is bogus. It's obvious. These guys are hypocrites. They claim to be godly, but look at how they behave. Versus Jesus. There's no one like this Jesus. Sometimes I want to say that to our world, right? Don't we? Like, don't look at the church and how we defame our Jesus and judge him based on us. Because there's nobody like Jesus. When you look at Jesus beautiful when you look at me not always when you look at facebook but jesus there's no one like jesus that's our gospel there's no one like jesus i believe in jesus i love the church i believe it's a big mess and i'm a part of that mess i'm a part of the problem but jesus is my hope Jesus is my hope. 
Pilate must have been just, he had literally more of fear because of this process. Who is this guy that I'm about to crucify? I'm afraid. <laughs> but his death was a victory and not a defeat in the end. The seeming defeat of Jesus was actually his victory. No? The attempts to defame this Jesus actually, actually glorified him. This, this, the way Jesus died, the purpose for Jesus' death, actually made something so disgusting, so not pretty, the cross, and made it into something beautiful. Even in the secular world, it was interesting that, that when you go to Tilly's, they're selling crosses. Not to people who love Jesus, but just it became a symbol of something. Jesus did that. Jesus turned that upside down. Jesus turns everything upside down. Jesus makes ugly things beautiful. He did it on the cross. And he's done it in my life. And he's doing it in my life. And I'm watching him do it in a lot of lives. Jesus, his death became our victory. We wrap ourselves in this victory. And then who is really in charge is the next thing. Who's really in charge here? That's the argument, right? Pontius says, I have the authority. Jesus is like, no, nah, not really. Who really does have the authority? Where does it come from? Who's in charge? Starting in verse 12, it says, from then on, after Jesus kind of let him off the hook a little bit, he says, no, this isn't about you, dude. This isn't about you. It's, it's bigger than you. It says, from then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. This was an official title. To be Caesar's friend would be like be, to be one of his close associates, to be a loyal follower. It's patriotic. You want to be a friend of Caesar if you're the Roman governor. You don't want anyone to say you're not a, if, you, if you're not a friend of Caesar, what are you? You're his enemy. What happens to Tiberius is the emperor's enemies? They don't last long. This is serious business, what they're, what they're spewing out here. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. He's stuck. So when Pilate heard those words, he brought Jesus out and sat him on the judgment seat, which is the Bema seat, at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, Gabatha, which means the Stone Pavement. I didn't go to school for that. It says it right here. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. Interesting. In Mark's gospel, it was the third hour. Here it's the sixth hour. We go, wait, because it would have been like 9 o'clock or 12 o'clock. They didn't have watches. They're a pr they're, they, they didn't use precision like we do. It's the morning. It's late in the morning, he's, they're saying. Somewhere in there, it's late in the morning. Lots has happened, but lots is still to come. The sixth hour he said to the Jews, Behold, your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Can you imagine being Jewish and just saying he blasphemes God's name and so we want to kill him and then screaming at the top of him, We, our king is Caesar. What? What a hypocrite. 
So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. Pilate delivered him over, so they took Jesus away. Interesting here, who was really in charge? Was Pilate really in charge? Seems to me like he's a chump. Right? He doesn't want to kill Jesus, but why does he then? He's afraid of what people think. He's afraid of Tiberius. He won't do the right thing because it would cost him too much. Right? He w- it would cost him too much. And the Jews forced his hand in your notes. The Jews forced his hand. Right? Did I get that right? No emails this week. Okay? The Jews forced his hand. It was always in God's hand. That's the last one. Now I'm done. I'm free. I got all my blanks. It was always in God's hands. Right? The Jews seemingly forced his hands, but it was always in God's hands. Think a, a second about the, that perspective, though. Application. Think about that. It looked like the circumstances were a certain way, but it was always in God's hands. Can you think about anything in, like that in your life? It feels like it's out of control, but it's always in God's hands. It feels like I'm mad at them because they're doing something to me, but it's always in God's hands. There's a huge, there's a huge perspective, worship perspective, faith perspective in this story. It looks like they killed him, but they didn't really kill him because he gave his back. You can't kill Jesus. Jesus offered his life. When it feels like everything's out of control, Jesus is still in control. He still reigns. When somebody says something defaming about Jesus, it doesn't rip him of any fame. Right? It, 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 he's, he's glorified. He's, he, is, he is Jesus. He is on the throne regardless. Lots to look at in this story. Sometimes we like to do this, and we'll have the worship team come back up, and as the worship team's coming back up, sometimes, sometimes rather than give you a bunch of application points, I, I want to just hear collectively as a team, what God's saying amongst us. I call it verbal processing. Community verbal processing. Some of you guys don't verbally process very fast. You're so loved here. That is okay. Some of you guys, like, you know, you think about what you should have said, like, tomorrow. Awesome. That's what Facebook's for. You know what I mean? Um, but, but some of you guys have been processing all morning, and you want to kind of maybe share some things. So here's, here's some, some thought questions. How has this morning's message kind of hit you this morning? We'll give you an opportunity to share. Or what has God been revealing to you this morning? You might say it like that, right? Or what are your takeaways this morning? What are some things that you guys are processing right now? Anybody? lot right is it heavy Mm -hmm. yeah Gail
he, yeah, he cried. He had an anxiety attack <laughs> the night before. He prayed. Yeah. And it brings to life some things, some scriptures, right? It says, when we were yet sinners, he died for us. We didn't do anything first to, to earn this love that he displays on the cross. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Or, or Hebrews 12, 2, he says that, that with the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured this. He didn't enjoy the cross. He endured the cross. His joy came in what he was accomplishing on the cross. And he was willing. Do you have something, Dustin? interesting you might say that he even he even comforts Pontius Pilate a little bit who is this guy Jamie that we choose us he chose us why don't we choose him amen that's good very good thoughts yeah one more dominic Amen. I'm going to read uh, uh, a quote from a guy named Jerry Bridges, and I'd like to ask you for this first song just to sit where you're at. Not, we're not asking you to move directly into something. And, uh, and Tim, God put on Tim's heart to, to kind of sing over us as we reflect a little bit more the first song, and then, and then I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll invite us to stand, so there'll be time for that. But for now, I want you to listen to this quote. I want you to continue to process Pray if you need to, think if you need to, whatever you need to do. This is a, a, a time for that. So I'm going to read this quote, and I'm going I'm to end right there, and we'll go right into this song. It, it, it says this. This is Jerry Bridges. It says, if we want proof of God's love for us, then we must look first at the cross where God offered up his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Calvary is the one objective, absolute, irrefutable proof of God's love for us. 